This is episode 1C of Free as in Freedom for Thursday, November 10th, 2011. I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. This is uh, the episode that's late that we told people was going to be late. But I th- I'm, I'm excited about the content. Well, that's because you recorded it. Of course you're going to be excited. I guess so. Although, <laughs> I, I don't always, you know, I get nervous about what we record, so I'm not always. So, I'm, I'm, it's more for the, the portion that, um, so we have an interview with Adam Dingle of the Yorba Foundation, and I, I enjoyed talking to him. So I, I think it'll make a, a, hopefully it'll make good listening. And you saw him at the Ubuntu Developer Summit. That's weird. Why is that weird? Why were you at the Ubuntu Developer Summit? Why wouldn't I be at the, <laughs> the Ubuntu Developer Summit? Um, <laughs> Unity would come to mind. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's true. Um, so it was actually a very, very interesting conference for me to t- attend. Um, and I think that um, while Canonical and Ubuntu has gone with Unity and not GNOME 3, there's still a whole lot of GNOME in Ubuntu. So. You usually, you usually have a more pithy answer to that. Usually say, Unity uses GNOME technologies. Unity uses GNOME technologies. That's your usual answer that you give me. Is it? Okay. You give that to, you've said that to me like uh, every time I make fun of you. Well, I thought you were going to say that, and that, that I thought the part you were saying is the, is the, and we'll be a whole lot better off if we all keep working together. (laughs) Oh, I don't remember that part. But I remember (laughs) Unity. But I I really do believe that. So, Unity uses GNOME technologies. And there's a whole heck of heck of a lot of gnome in in Ubuntu. So that's true. Even the card games, for example. Even the card. You're trying to bait me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so this is an interview about Yorba, which I would bet that most uh, free software developers have not heard of. Strangely enough, I I, I would bet Yorba. I bet they haven't. But I they've bet heard of Shotwell. Most of them are using Shotwell, or they've heard of Shotwell, but they probably haven't heard of Yorba as a foundation, and don't true. realize that in fact a nonprofit charitable foundation is what's behind Shotwell. Well, it sure is, and Adam will uh, tell us about it. So I'm lucky to be here at. UDS, the Ubuntu Developer Summit, with Adam Dingle, who is the founder and executive director of the Yorba Foundation. We are uh, sitting here, and I actually forgot the um, the microphone stand, so I feel like we're in a radio show. We're going to just pass the mic back and forth, so if there's a little bit of a delay before uh, questions are answered, that is the reason. Um, well, thanks so much for doing this interview, Adam. It's my pleasure, Karen. I'm happy to be here. Um, great. So um, one of the reasons why I, I mean, I've, I, I wanted to interview you because I've known you for um, for some time and um, we've worked together. But um, in that time, I've really followed Yorba with so much interest. And so I wanted to have you on the show because of, um, of your involvement with Yorba generally, but also to talk about some of the issues that you've had um, in, in formation. But why don't we start at the beginning? Um, how did you get the idea for Yorba, and how did it get started? Okay, the story of Yorba. Um, we started Yorba in uh, January of 2009, so it's been almost three years now that uh, we've been in business. Um, and I say we, but yeah, I, I was the founder, really. Um, 
I guess the original impetus for Yorba came uh, out of my frustration with uh, existing programs uh, on the free desktop for working with media. Um, and uh, Yorba's flagship program has actually become Shotwell, which is our photo manager. And we've worked on Shotwell for, again, a few years now. Um, the Actually, the original motivation for starting Yorba was the desire for a um, an audio editor or a program that I could use to record music. Um, uh, I'm very much an amateur musician, but I like to fool around with guitars and keyboards and uh, microphones, that kind of stuff. And uh, is, there, is there any place we can uh, we can hear your your work in that regard? Uh, not publicly, <laughs> not in a public forum. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, and I remember, um, uh, I think I first switched to using a Linux desktop um, around about 2005. Um, I've always, I think I wanted to even years before that, but I'm also very much a fan of usable graphical interfaces. And I think it took many years for uh, the desktop to get to the point where I found it to be usable on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I remember before starting Yorba, I think it was around about 2008, um, I'd recently left my job and I had some time and I said, okay, great, I'm going to sit down and try to make some music um, using software. Um, and so I was uh, using various free tools, um, mostly on the Ubuntu desktop at that point. Um, I spent about a month, I think this was about maybe November of, of 2008, and I remember battling to get a lot of different tools uh, talking to each other to do both audio and MIDI. And after a few weeks, I had a recording setup that kind of worked. I mean, I could, yeah, with some effort, um, I could actually make simple recordings and I could even play a keyboard and hear sounds some of the time. But it was always a battle um, and I had to deal with command line options and the names of ALSA devices and just a, a lot of stuff that... <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm laughing because it took me, usually Bradley is the one who records the interviews and, uh, you know, does the actual recording on his laptop. And it took me a few minutes to figure out if the computer was recognizing the microphone, which it wasn't because I hadn't plugged it in. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a reason somewhere. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so I remember spending about a month on this. And yeah, I mean, and there were times I had to even go look at source code and read very bad documentation for configuration files. I mean, it was just hard. Um, and then out of sort of curiosity, I went and um, bought a Mac um, and fired up GarageBand and it just worked. I mean, in about three minutes, I could plug in a guitar and plug in a keyboard and I could do the things I wanted to do. And so in a sense, it, I, I sort of had this aha moment where I said, well, free software should work like this. It should give the same kind of super easy experience to, to users. And so that, in a sense, I think is Yorba's mission. That's what we want to bring uh, to the free desktop, not just for, for audio recording, but um, uh, for photos, which has been our primary um, domain thus far. But we're also looking at um, video and, and even email now. So we'll get to that in a, in a little bit about what, what software Yorba has developed so far and what it um, what it's working on. Um, but I guess I wanted to go back a little bit to what you said about, um, you know, about how important it is for software on a free desktop to be very usable and to be usable quickly. And why do you think that is such a, a, a key component to free software and its adoption generally? 
Well, I think that a lot of it, uh, a lot of us in this community would like to see free software reach a much larger audience. And of course, historically, the free software movement was born um, uh, among computer hackers because those were the ones with the skills to write the software in the first place. Um, but um, I myself, I'm, I'm very much of the school that there doesn't need to be a conflict between software being suitable for power users and uh, between software being very usable. I think that those things, I mean, there are challenges in getting there, but I'd, I'd like to think those things can very much go hand in hand. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would certainly like to see um, more of my friends um, using free software. And I wander into a cafe in San Francisco and occasionally I'll see someone with um, running a free operating system, but it's still not the norm. And I think if we want to make it the norm, um, we need to make further strides in the usability of the desktop. I think we've come a long way in uh, the last five years. I think that uh, GNOME has done great work. I think Ubuntu has done great work in that regards. Uh, there's more to do. Yeah, not to, I guess, belabor this point too much, but there are a lot of reasons why folks might think that, you know, adoption of free software is important generally. Um, and you've given so much of your time and resources to developing a free and open source, so um, free and open source software, um, you know, nonprofit and, um, and uh, software. Um, I, as you know, have done a lot of advocacy talking about my heart condition and, you know, how software transparency um, auditability and just free and open source software is important um, for the world. Um, you know, there are a lot of reasons why one might want to ad adopt free and open source software. And many of those reasons are really in the public good. Um, you know, what are your sort of top top reasons why? I mean, we could sit here all day and talk about why free and open source software is better and safer and in the public interest. But, you know, what are a couple of the things that you sort of think about? Mm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question. And uh, lots and lots of people discover free software at some point and really have this aha moment where they just suddenly realize that they love it. And it's kind of this discovery. I think that different people articulate just why that is uh, in different ways, right? Um, for me, I mean, I don't know. When people ask me this, often the first example that I point to is Wikipedia. I mean, I, because it's something that we all use all the time. And I mean, it's it's... It has trounced traditional commercial encyclopedias. It's just—it's not just free and collaborative, but it's better. And I'd like to think that in the world of free software, we can we can get there too. Um, but um, well, I agree that it's good for the planet. I mean, I really like the idea of a world where um, uh, software is is inexpensive, or in many cases where there's zero cost, um, I think there's a great culture that around free software of communication and cooperation. Um, I mean, I sometimes also, I, I think there are analogies even with um, government or with society. I mean, for example, a lot of the things that I want from a government, like transparency and accountability are also things I want um, from software. And um, I kind of think that free software is like democracy. I mean, if, or a good democracy anyway, in that you can see what's going on and you, the user, um, have 
choices. You can, um, if you don't like something, um, you can potentially change it. Um, so anyway, but as you said, Karen, there are lots of ways to think about this and articulate it. We could go on for a long time. <laughs> we really could. <laughs> and we have in the past and hopefully we will again. But um, I, I, I guess, you know, along these lines, there are a lot of really successful businesses that are being built around free and open source software products. And I think that's, um, that's great. It's a, it's a good way of, um, of developing free and open source software and getting it out there and developing it in a commercial way. Um, what made you decide to start Yorba in a nonprofit? Yeah, a lot of people have asked me that too. Um, I mean, uh, being a nonprofit is not always the easiest path. Um, but on the other hand, I do feel like it's a very natural match for the kind of software that we build. I mean, for example, Wikipedia, as I understand it, is also a nonprofit foundation. And I think that um, if you're trying to build a community of people who collaborate, um, there's a tremendous amount of trust and goodwill that you get from people um, when they know that there is no hidden agenda to make a buck, right? And part of that comes, I mean, we've had um, plenty of financial donations to Yorba, which is always exciting when, when people choose to give. And I mean, certainly that wouldn't happen if we were a commercial company. Um, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite certain. But people have also given tremendously of their time. Um, uh, people have translated Yorba software into, I think, over 40 languages now, and, and the count is rising. And I think a lot of the, the energy behind the contribution comes from the, the feeling that we're all in this together. And I think that having a non-profit uh, structure very much reflects that. So I don't get it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I don't get it. Is, why would you do this in a nonprofit? Why, you know, aren't, is there some hidden commercial agenda? Adam Dingle, are you getting rich from your butt? <laughs> I can tell you <laughs> and look you in the eyes, Karen Sandler, that <laughs> I, I am not getting rich from your butt. That was very much not the goal uh, when we set out here. And I think that if the goal was to yeah, make money in software. There are lots of exciting ways to do that today, and I'm not opposed to that. And I know lots of friends in San Francisco who are focused on that right now, and I'm happy for them. But um, with Yorba itself, that that's not really what Yorba is about. I'm trying to to think of of, <laughs> of a of a witty witty reply to that, um, but um, but. I would say, isn't it even true that rather than making money off of Yorba, that you've actually donated quite a bit of your time and your resources to p making Yorba successful? Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, Yorba's been a tremendous focus uh, for me the last few years. Um, and uh, it's been tremendously rewarding. Um, I mean, uh, Shotwell... Uh, is very, very widely used. Um, it's become very popular. Uh, we now believe, I mean, it's really hard to count numbers in the free software world, but um, we're sure that we have hundreds of thousands of users, which is a pretty exciting number. Um, of course, there are challenges. Um, and being a nonprofit, our resources are limited. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a fantastic team where um, no one's living large, right? People are, are doing this really because they, they love it. 
um, because um, it's a challenge to grow, we've had to put um, some of our projects on the back burner at times, and in particular, the original impetus for starting Yorba, as I said, was uh, making audio software, and we worked on a, um, a free audio editor called Fillmore um, for a while, I think over a year at the beginning, and sadly, it's been in the back burner for a little while, mostly because Shotwell has become so successful and so popular that it's really taken most of our attention for um, the last year or two. Yeah, in fact, I bet most of our listeners are are using Shotwell. Um, Shotwell is now it's now the default on several distributions. Is that right? Um, yes, uh, the what are probably the two largest uh, distributions or free operating systems um, would be um, Fedora and Ubuntu, uh, and we are um, uh, Shotwell is the default photo manager in both of those uh, distributions. Yes. Now, I think on first blush, some people might say, you know, media software, is that really in the public interest? Do we really need, you know, do we really need a nonprofit that's a charitable nonprofit working to create, you know, a a photo organizer, um, audio software, um, and things like that? And, you know, I've been astounded by the cultural benefits that one gets from, bringing together people to giving people tools that they can use to store their information, store their art, focus their efforts, and then um, contribute them to the commons or just start up a, a business that maybe they couldn't have before. There are so many ways in which media software is sort of the first step towards a, a better society. Do you have any sort of thoughts on that or examples you've seen of people using um, Yorba software in that kind of way? Well, yeah, I mean, I think if anyone needs free tools, it's artists, right? I mean, uh, I think the the internet has, uh, has brought about this tremendous democratization of what it means to create art in, in many different forms, right? It can be, it can be video, it can be um, audio or whatever. It's become so much easier to, to distribute um, works of art, again, in, in many forms, that I think it's a very exciting time. Um, but sadly, I think a lot of the tools for creating digital media have often been out of uh, out of reach uh, price-wise um, for people, not only in the United States, but I mean, I, sp- I can't. I mean, around the world, I, I know that um, it's just inconceivable that someone I don't know. Uh, uh, an artist right out of school in a developing country is going to fork out a thousand dollars for some commercial video editing um, program. And in fact, um, my brother James actually teaches um, at the Museum of Fine Arts School in Boston. So he teaches uh, video production there, um, and uh, he has students come to him all the time and ask him where they can get pirated copies of commercial video editing tools. And he has to tell them, you know, look, sorry, I, I really can't tell you that, but it's a, I think it's a concrete problem. And I'd, I'd love to see great tools that are, that are inexpensive or free available. So as you said before, Shotwell isn't the only thing that Yorba is working on now. In fact, I hear that you're branching out from, uh, from just the media software world. Is that true? <laughs> 
It's true. Uh, and um, I mean, at Yorba, we're big fans of the free desktop in general. I mean, that's really kind of the, the, the community that we move in. And like a lot of organizations, I mean, again, we've been in business a few years. And so there's an initial focus, which hopefully is, is never lost, but there are always interesting directions that you realize as time goes on. Um, uh, we are developing uh, an email client. The code name is Geary, um, although we may change that. Um, we have it's still um, we, because we haven't even released uh, the first uh, version, 0.1 of Geary. It's not super well known yet, but uh, that will hopefully change. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, people sometimes ask us, "Well, I mean, there's all kinds of email programs out there. I mean, so why make?" another one right i mean it's these this is a category of, of software that's existed for a long long time um i guess about the best answer i can say to that is that i think in the last few years a lot of people have started using web-based email because i think that um email clients on the desktop had kind of stagnated they hadn't changed um for a long time uh and then gmail came out and i actually think that the the gmail web-based interface in the browser was better in many ways than um, desktop applications for email. I mean, it was really fast. Search was instantaneous. Um, conversations um, were kind of uh, objects that you could directly manipulate, like archive or, or come back to. Um, and I think that in turn has uh, sparked um, a new level of interest in, in ways that we can improve uh, email interfaces in general. Um, I think email is exciting because it's something we all do all day long, or at least I do. Um, and so um, I think there's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, having a very straightforward and, and streamlined email client, which, which our program means to be, um, there's just tremendous value because we all just spend so many hours of our lives doing, doing email. Um, yeah. It's uh, it is a little bit of a um, of a change again from our initial focus, which really was photos, audio, video. But I really want to come back to our audio and video editors when we can, also. So, our so sort of uh, Shotwell and Geary, and I I love the names, by the way. Um, they do all correspond to San Francisco streets, right? Um, yes, but that is a private in-joke known only to those who live in San Francisco, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, we've actually had uh, visitors come um, from places afar. I mean, um, uh, often at Yorba, we say hi to people um, who are in town for conferences or just passing through, but who we know from the various free software conferences that we've gone to. And it's happened more than once that someone shows up at our office and they say that they've just been walking or driving through the city and suddenly it hits them like they realize where all of these Yorba names come from. Um, but yep, I mean, that started because actually before Yorba, I was involved um, for about a year in a startup. Um, and the startup was actually making software to, um, oh, it's a long story, but we were help we were actually making a hardware box that would prevent you from getting a parking ticket. And we would, it would sit in your car. And if you knew, if we detected that your car was in trouble, we would, we would text you. And so because of that, I happened to have a big file listing all the names of all the streets in San Francisco on the day I started Yorba and one thing led to another. Well, I love it. I think it's really clever because I remember the moment I actually went to the EFF's offices and they're on Shotwell. 
And I remember being like, wait, Shotwell. That's, and I think it was before even Shotwell was uh, was really released, um, or it was very early. And I remember this brainwave and being like, oh my gosh, that's so clever, because it's Shotwell and Fillmore. <laughs> and I was very impressed. Um, but um, And actually, maybe we should go back and, and talk about some of the, you know, where, where you and I first met and what we've been working on all of this time. Um, so, I, I, you know, you, we first we first started working together because you wanted to apply for a 501c3 tax exemption for a very, very new Yorba. Absolutely. Um, Yorba, of course, uh, is incorporated as a nonprofit uh, corporation. Uh, and, of course, in, in the United States, one of the primary benefits that comes from um, being a charitable nonprofit is um, that donations can be tax deductible, um, which is a, it's a, I think it's a great thing. Not every country actually offers that as a, as a deduction, but um, that's been, I think there's a long tradition of that. I actually don't know historically how far back that goes. You would know better than I would, Karen, but I think that um, certainly the, our society has made the choice for donations to charitable groups to be tax deductible to encourage those donations. Um, anyway, that, that's something that we'd certainly like to be able to take advantage of also. And um, uh, there are certainly plenty of other software groups uh, in the United States that um, work on free software and that are structured as nonprofit corporations and that have tax-exempt status. So yeah, we'd certainly like to be among them. And what's interesting is that uh, charitable tax exemption actually, you know, it's it's kind of a, I think it's actually set up in a really interesting and clever way um, by the U.S. government, because um, the way that the tax situation works out, it doesn't really help companies so much to get a deduction for charitable donations. Most companies that donate to uh, free and open source software or projects take it as a business expense. So for the companies that are contributing to free and open source software, it's usually irrelevant to them whether or not the company that they're giving money to is a charitable organization or a business um, if they have some interest in the software and want to contribute to it. Um, it makes a big difference for the nonprofits how they receive the, you know, the money. You know, if they're taking money from companies, it will be donations and it would be treated as, you know, as, as use as a donation and for the public interest. Um, but from a company's perspective, um, they don't really see that charitable giving benefit in the same way that individuals do. And so what's really interesting about that to me is that when you form as a charitable nonprofit, the advantages that you're the one of the primary advantages that you're reaching for is to encourage individuals to donate to you, uh, which also contributes to a sense of the public being being literally invested, you know, really invested in the in the software, really hoping to support a good nonprofit activity. And it's in, in the same way that you would support another charitable purpose that you care about. With free software, it's exactly the same thing. And so by having a, a, a disconnect between, um, you know, what, what kind of benefit businesses receive from donating, it actually, I think, fits even better into the, um, you know, the kind of charitable giving that, um, that I think the IRS is trying to promote and is connected to the structuring of nonprofits. But, um, you know, so, so one of the things, and maybe I'll give the short summary on the situation with the, um, with the IRS. So um, several years, year, how long ago was it that we originally started applying 
Uh, we submitted our application um, for uh, 501c3 uh, tax-exempt status in December of 2009. Um, so it'll be two years uh, next month. It's amazing. Um, so two years ago, we got together to apply for tax-exempt status for Yorba. And um, we wrote, a, I think, what was a really nice application. We talked about free software generally and um, why it was important. We actually used a very similar application as we've used in the past for, uh, as we used before that for other charitable nonprofits. And we just continue to not get very much back. We got questions from the IRS, um, which asked things like I asked at the beginning of this interview, things like, um, you know, how is what Yorba is doing different than developing software in a commercial way? And, you know, and things like that. But but we, we still basically, you know, have, have not, we have not heard a decision from the IRS after a very, very long period of silence. And it's very frustrating because, um, you know, as we said in all of our responses to the IRS, which Adam and I um, and uh, Justin Colonino um, and others helped us to, to put together, you know, we talked about all these great, all the nonprofit aspects of Yorba, um, you know, how there is no real business model around Yorba, how it's being created, the software is being created in the public interest, how um, people are benefiting from having this, you know, all the software that Yorba produces. And it's, you know, it, it's been astounding to me that we've had such a period of silence. And in the meantime, Yorba has been, Hanging out, not not knowing what it's what's been happening. It's been in limbo. So how how has that been? Just not not knowing and not hearing. Well, um, yeah, the, we certainly had a lot of questions to respond to, and uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again: how tremendously appreciative uh, I am and Yorba is that we've had you on our side, Karen. Um, the uh, Software Freedom Law Center has represented us pro bono, which has just been fantastic for us, and um, Karen has always been just. I can't even go on long enough. So professional, so helpful, so wonderful. Um, but yeah, we, we've had to wait. Um, and um, it's a little bit puzzling. Um, it's, um, I mean, on our website, we have a page that says donate to Yorba. And it says there, um, if you're a U.S. donor, you might not want to donate yet because we're still waiting to find out about our tax exempt status. And so we can't tell you that, our, that your um, deduction would be tax deductible today that your um, donation would be. And um, so, yeah, we actually have a message on our website that says, mm, you might not want to donate to us right now, which is frustrating. Do you think you've probably lost donations because of that? And Yorba has consequently had less money to develop its good works in the public interest? I'm sure we've lost donations. I mean, um, I, I, we certainly have had a few donations, modest donations from U.S. donors, but... Uh, just thinking back on, I think that most of our donations honestly have been from European donors um, for whom probably the tax-exempt status sadly is not a benefit because I don't think that their governments will usually let them deduct, although I don't know so much about European um, tax law, certainly. Um, but um, yeah, no, without a doubt, um, it has cost us. And further, I, I, I bet you haven't been able to research uh, grant funding too much either, because most grants that I know of won't consider applicants that don't already have their 501c3 status. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, um, 
looking forward, um, it would be fantastic to be able to apply for public grants from, from grant-making foundations or organizations. And I think there, it's a very interesting question whether uh, groups like those will donate in the future to, to free software. Um, I think that historically, uh, I'm not aware of a lot of, of, of precedent in that space. I mean, I know, Karen, both you and I feel deeply that free software is a public good and it's it's for the good of society and for the good of the world. Um, um, I don't, I, I'm not aware of, of any large donation from a group like, I don't know, the Ford Foundation, the Mellon Foundation, or some, some foundation like that set up with a specifically charitable purpose to a free software group, but I would certainly love to see that. There has been some uh, some grant making in the free software space by those kinds of organizations, um, but it is slow because I think it's not, you know, I think it's it's often not intuitive to a lot of people to understand why how software can be beneficial, and it it comes up in some of these same ways that um, I'm sure one can think of um, other areas where where people don't seem to have that you know, that, that problem making that intuitive jump, like, um, you know, medical services, medical services can be for profit, but they can also be done in a, in a public interest way. It can, you know, and, and so, you know, medical research is maybe even a better example. Um, so, so I think that one of the, the goals that we have, um, you know, with our, our Ogcast, but also with, um, you know, with our advocacy work in general is to, is to get the word out more about free software and why it's so important to us as a society. And so that's one of the things that I'm doing. So back to Yorba, though. Um, so what's, you know, I, I was going to ask you what's going to happen. As a lawyer, I don't, you know, that actually makes me nervous to ask you that, <laughs> even though I'm not, uh, you know, I'm doing some pro bono work still at SFLC, including uh, helping Yorba. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not working as a lawyer most of the time. Um, but it still makes me nervous to to ask about predicting for the future. Um, and obviously, we don't know what the IRS will do. I know that you're in the same position as a lot of other um, free software um, nonprofits, and you were one of the applications that got in there early in this process, um, which is unfortunate. Um, so you've been waiting a lot of the a lot of the time. But but what do you think will you know what's sort of gonna gonna happen with your? But what if what if you don't hear? Or what if you're refused? Um, if we're if we're refused, we'll appeal, as we've discussed. <laughs> um, and uh, if you think uh, the initial application was slow, I can only imagine how long an appeals process will take. Um, maybe it would be faster. I, I really have no idea. But um, well, um, for Yorba, um, the future is a little unclear. To be completely honest, I mean, the real challenge that we've set out for ourselves here is trying to build and sustain an organization um, that can focus on these projects, which have lots and lots of happy users, um, uh, and continue to thrive. Um, and um, yeah, so I mean, we can we can certainly talk about different kinds of models. I mean, uh, it would be lovely to be able to support ourselves um, purely on donations. Um, uh, probably a more realistic path is going to be a mix of donations um, and then some consulting work that we may do, which we're certainly not opposed to. And as a, as a nonprofit group, we can absolutely still still do that kind of work. Um, uh, and or um, finding other 
clever ways um, to either, oh, I don't know. I mean, we've talked possibly about um, building some kind of cloud-based photo service. I mean, the details are super murky, but it's the kind of thing that we could imagine doing um, in, a, in an effort toward uh, financial sustainability. Yeah, I think that all nonprofits are going are having to go through this process because the economy has been so bad for so long that so many of them. Um, my alma mater, the Cooper Union, I just found out is um, it may have to charge tuition, um, which is, it's been a bastion of 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 you know um, free education um, for you know since for, for since the early 1900s. So um, I think it, it even and even before that, even um, you know those who couldn't afford education could come to the Cooper Union to get it. So it, it's like all. all this is common to all nonprofits having to evaluate, um, find business models to support them. Um, now, if you, you know, I think if nonprofits do take on these business models, um, the way they do it is to support their nonprofit mission. So, for example, uh, an obvious one that a lot of free software nonprofits wind up trying and um, and sometimes embracing um, in a more um, ongoing way is to do consulting, as you talked about before. Um, but if you were to take on that kind of consulting work, um, it would be, not to get too geeky, legal, technical, but it would be done in a way that would be, for example, considered related business income, meaning that you would probably take, uh, and that was such a lawyer thing, meaning that you will, you, you know, you'll, if you take on that work, that you'll be doing it, um, you'll be creating work that you, you could conceivably do within the purview of Yorba if you had that, if you had those funds, um, you would uh, would you? I guess I should say this in a in a question rather than tell you what you would do. <laughs> but would you would you release that the software that you developed um, for consulting? Um, you know, would you make sure that it was freely licensed? Um, uh, and how would you use the profits that came from it? Right. Yeah. Um, we certainly want any software that we work on at Yorba um, to be free. Uh, and I think it would be antithetical to our mission to work even to do even consulting work for a proprietary closed source project. I just don't think that that's sort of within uh, the scope of what we do. Um, when any free software project um, uh, offers services, um, there's a range of possibilities. I mean, in an ideal world, um, people um, or businesses would come to us and um, want to pay us to build the exact same features that we ourselves wanted to build next week but just hadn't gotten around to yet. Um, more typically, uh, they want features which might not be at the very top of our priority list but still are interesting um, or um, related in some way to what we do. Um, so, uh, yeah, if, if we do work for hire, um, I would very much like it to be within the same within the same sphere. I mean, for us to go off and do random software consulting work to support our projects, I'm not as sure that that makes sense, honestly, if it's just some unrelated or especially a proprietary program. But if you as a nonprofit went out and did consulting work, you wouldn't personally be pocketing all the profits, would you? Would you? I mean, if you can charge bundles of money for software consulting, consultants charge a lot of money, would you just line your pockets with that money? Adam Dingle? I, I was just going to say, do you mean me or do you mean the foundation? Right, certainly, right, right, right. No, I mean, uh, certainly 
this work would be done on uh, behalf of the foundation and it would, I mean, the, the revenue of course would go into the foundation's um, bank account and would be used to, to fund the foundation's activities. I mean, that is our mission. That's what our charter says that we're here for. If we wanted to do, if, if our goal was to line our own pockets, um, we would have to start another organization and I'm not opposed to that, but that's not what Europe was here for. Right. That would be something, some other um, entity that was created to do software development in a, in a commercial way. And I think, you know, one of the things that unites us all is that we would probably all make a lot more money if we were focused on for-profit businesses rather than nonprofits. And we do this because it's good for society and we do it for love. Um, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else you want to say? Um, I think that's probably about it. I mean, uh, you can certainly check out uh, our site at yorba.org. Our software is all there. Um, and uh, if you have any questions about anything, feel free to reach me at adam at yorba.org. And you may not be able to get a tax deduction for it um, <laughs> anytime soon, but um, but if you like Shotwell, if you're using it, if you like what Yorba is about, um, as with supporting our free software, please go and make a donation. Um, Yorba and every other free and open source software project can really appreciate it. Um, so thank you, Adam, and good luck to Yorba. Thanks, Karen. So uh, you uh, actually added a lot of interesting information to that interview. Oh, I'm glad you think so. Well, because you well, you got Adam to talk publicly some about the issues with the IRS, which we've talked about on Freeze and Freedom before. Right. And and we've usually only talked in general terms. We talked about that one cash music organization because they were having trouble with the IRS and blogged about it publicly. But it sounds like Yorba is, is in that same queue with everyone else. Yes, and uh, and actually, Yorba's agreed to have their statement that they submitted, or that we submitted to the IRS, published. So the SFLC will be publishing that statement on their website, uh, which I think will be helpful to others who are in the same situation, just to have that same, you know, just to see what, what others have written about why free and open source software is in the public interest. Yeah, I, I think the, the you made that point about how corporations don't need the charitable donation which is true of course but i actually think it's it's still really important to have 501c3s adam was sort of saying that it seemed unlikely that they were going to get lot, enough individual donations to support their work that just by itself that that wouldn't that, that by itself would probably wouldn't support what they're trying to do which is probably true i i think it's been really good what we've seen with the pi pi fundraising for example the conservancy is doing right now because it's cl it's also clear in that that without some really large donations from probably companies because that's who are going to have that much money that those uh, NumPy and Pi 3K supporting projects are not going to get done but we're getting donations of 20 and 30 dollars from multiple people basically every day certainly you know 10 to 15 donations a week since so there's a nice large chunk percentage of it uh, i mean it's it's not going to be the majority but it's going to be a large amount coming from individual donors who want to see that support yeah and that's why it's essential to have 501c3 status for you know free software projects i wasn't saying that um i don't think neither i think neither of us were saying that 
um, that, you know, individual donations were not interesting. I think we were saying they're extremely interesting and hopefully they can support a project. I was simply saying that, um, you know, the companies that are going to support a project don't really care so much about the corporate form of that project. You know, a C6 or even a for-profit, if it's something that they care about, they'll probably give the money in some form or another. But individuals won't donate if I it's not a charitable nonprofit. I think, actually, I think... I, I've seen cases where companies do care. If, if folks have seen Kat Allman's fundraising talk that she's been giving, oh, well, she gave it at OzCon and she, she actually just gave it the Google uh, Summer of Code Mentor Summit where I was at. Um, reluctantly, I sort of talked her into giving it. She didn't, they, 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 the Google folks don't like to give talks at that conference because they feel like it's, we're giving the conference for you guys and it's not for us to come talk to you <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, but I convinced her to give it because I thought the audience would be very interested. And, and I think it does make a difference for uh, somebody who's like, uh, who's like Kat who's making fundraising or I'm sorry, fund grant decisions to know what the form, because if they're giving to a for-profit company, I think it's tougher for say the open source program office to give to a for-profit company. I think that's right. And I think that's actually true in other companies too. And I I didn't actually specify the case where there's like a charitable giving arm, which Mm -hmm. a lot of companies have, um, in which case they're restricted to on C3s. But I would say that's the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, but even the open source program office, if you take the Google as the uh, as the Google, the Google. I think as the Google example. is the exception rather than the rule. Is what well, I, I think it even in, in in other companies like HP and so forth, they're not often given. They, many of them do have charitable arms, which you're right. When they have a 501c3 charitable arm, they have to give to other 501c3s where they have some sort of foundation associated, either with the founders of the company or with the company itself. But in the case of open source program office, I don't think there's any strict rule, and I think they have given to for-profit companies. I think that they prefer to give to charitable companies because there's a better level of public scrutiny, and it's easier for them to figure out what the money's being used for. Yeah, I mean, it's a good it's a good indicator um, for companies to see. But if Google wanted to give to a, you know some project that wasn't part of a C3, they could. They could. I, th- I think they prefer it, though. I think they yeah. like it when there's a... I think, actually, probably Google doesn't care so much about the C6 versus C3 question, uh, but they certainly care about the nonprofit versus for-profit question because especially like think about it, if it's an llc how, you can't find anything about llcs as far as what their governance is that's all private basically you just know that they're an llc and you might be able to find out who the members are but yeah. you can't find out about their governance and, and what their plans are and and all that sort of thing yeah. whereas I mean, much of that's public with with any 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 nonprofit, be it c6 or c3 or or even a c12 or something yeah i don't disagree with that but the but but the idea of companies getting the tax benefit of a right that i agree with deduction that of was course. really my focus point. well the place where i place where i've always wished we could get tax deduction which is probably never going to happen is is donation of copyrights I've worked on that question off and on for a decade, and it's basically never going to be possible. I have also worked on that too, and I'm not convinced that it will never be possible. Oh, really? But it's well, not I'm possible giving now. Me hope. <laughs> but it's not possible now. Yeah, I know. It's it's really difficult. You can't even do things like an appraisal and and see what the market value of the software is worth, and say, well, the donation of those copyrights they are that that can be deducted at the market value. Because I think that's a place well, where but companies that's true would across like the it. board, actually, like um, with artwork know, too. Yeah, like if you're an artist. And you materials. Create, you can deduct the cost of the canvas and the paints, but you can't deduct. So maybe maybe your we should time. Get- <laughs> Basically, the idea is that you have to volunteer. That that nonprofits, the people who volunteer with nonprofits, should be volunteering their time. 
And that right. it, it kind of falls apart if you don't. So, so maybe we should get people to start uh, deducting the electricity of the laptop while they were working on the software. Because <laughs> that they could deduct, right? I would think they could. If they bought a special laptop for it, too, and never used it for anything else. Oh, they right. Could, yeah, that that could be like the equivalent of the cost no, of the canvas. Actually, what I was thinking about was the electric. Well, it can, I guess a painter can't deduct the, 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 the electricity in their home while they, would, or they electricity keep the lights in their on studio. So they could see, so they could see they're while painting. they're working, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. You have to find this out because I want to start telling people they can deduct that. I don't think anybody's actually going to meter I think the this electricity. Is not a, I think this is this isn't a too useful of a of a path to go down. So I think yeah, I think uh, you and I both have much better things to do with our time. <laughs> I want to deduct the electricity on my laptop. In any event, the one point that I think we didn't really get to in Yorba the interview with Adam was that there's. Uh, as you could see from Yorba's public documentation, if you went to look, their 990s and, and things like that, you would see if you were to look that um, that Adam doesn't really um, doesn't take a full salary, um, to say the least, from Yorba. He's he's doing it as a labor of love, and um, I, I I wanted to point that out because I think he's he's too modest to to say so himself, and he doesn't necessarily want to call attention to that. But it's really the opposite situation of what the IRS is worrying about. Yorba is a group of people, like is an organization founded by someone who cares deeply about the principles of what he's doing and is giving of himself. He's giving of his time and his resources in order to you know make the software that he cares about to to make the world a better place. And and that's part of why I think that. Um, well, I wanted to highlight Yorba in this regard to just show all of the good things that they're doing. Oh, well, I think I think you say that's not that Yorba is not what the IRS is worrying about. I I think you're probably correct, but I think the IRS doesn't know what they're worrying about. I I just think the level of confusion there is so high about what software is and what software in the public interest is that the the IRS is just basically confused and they don't know what they're worried about. They're worried about they think they're worried about something because they see something that looks strange to them that they need to be educated on. That's how I feel. Let's yeah, I mean, I think they're just I think they're determining where the lines are. Um, you know, and I, 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 one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight Yorba was to show a good example of, you know, of software being developed in the public interest. But we already have good examples. We do, we do. But like this is the GNOME but, Foundation. No, no. But what or I'm the saying software is, freedom concern. A good example of a project or the that free software of an organization that hasn't been granted yet. Oh, it's okay. in limbo. That's you know, true. it's you know, it, it 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 is it is directly under consideration, and um, you know, and it is um, it is organized around the principles that you would want your charitable nonprofits to be organized around. As are the GNOME Foundation and the Software Freedom Conservancy and it's the true, Free Software. But as Foundation. the IRS has told us, it, the existing organizations are not, you know, are not being reevaluated. Nor are they used as precedent, which is weird to me as well. Well, they are do they are used as precedent. Well, but it, it seems like the IRS doesn't care. It, it seems they seem it seems like the IRS is neutral on that. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. But oh, is that, I, I oh that's good to hear. To if figure that's true. out what what it is that they're you know I think they're just trying to come up with some concrete rules they can apply and reapply. Okay. Um, anyway, I think I hope I hope you enjoyed listening to the interview, and we've we've got another interview that we might be able to use for um, for another episode coming up. Okay. All right. Then. <laughs> Freeze and Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of HalfBakedMedia.com. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. 
Free as in Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. Please send any feedback to ogcast, O-G-G-C-A-S-T, at faif.us and subscribe to the RSS feed on faif.us. <laughs>